Well, I've been a fan of your work for a long time, a uh, fan of your brother's work for a long time. And uh, yeah, I mean, just first off, I just want to say thank you for everything you've done in this life so far. Uh, you've, I don't know if you realize it, but you've, you know, you've changed a lot of people's lives in terms of how we see these plant medicines and, uh, you know, how we use them and how we should use them correctly. So yeah, I mean, hey, thanks, man. Thanks, Dennis. Well, thank you for thanking me. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I deserve all that much credit, but I appreciate it that you uh, that you think so. I, I just, you know, I've been enthusiastic about psychedelics from, you know, from way back. You know, I first learned about them in the mid '60s, and of course, it was my brother that led me down the primrose path and. You know, we uh, we both believed in them. So uh, yeah, and I've never really looked back. I just keep going forward. But it's pretty amazing to see what's happened in the last decade or so. I mean, all of a sudden, psychedelics are almost respectable. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I never thought we'd li we'd live to see that. You know, yeah, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, did we you see this? There. Did you like say back in, you know, in the 70s, did you see 2021 being like it is today in terms of how we see these plant medicines? Uh, not really. You know, I mean, I was hopeful that by 2021 or, or even earlier, you know, there would be changes in the drug laws. And in the 60s, when we started out, these things were not even illegal at that point, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it was only at the end of the sixties and I think everybody was disappointed when they got sort of swept up in the drug war hysteria, you know, uh, psychedelics should never have been prohibited. I mean, all for reasonable regulation, but just to declare that, you know, they're worthless. They have no medical value. They have no, no redeeming virtue and they're dangerous. So that, cut off a whole field of research for at least 20 years. You know, the laws were passed at the end of the 60s, so that just, just cut off human research, at least in the States, pretty much until uh, the early 90s, you know. And so we lost a lot of time in terms of, uh, you know, the, the potential to integrate these, these substances in, into medicine, you know. And in the, in the interim, of course, well, you know, I, I don't have to tell you, uh, mental health care is uh, kind of a mess these days in terms of mainstream medicine. A lot of the psychopharmaceuticals that one has to take every day for the rest of your life are not so effective. And so here along comes a class of compounds that you, yeah, although they're ancient, you know, in terms of mainstream medicine, they're, you know, they're kind of a new thing and, and they're disruptive almost by, by their very nature because, uh, you know, they're not things that one takes daily for the rest of your life. They're things one takes maybe for most people, maybe once or twice in a lifetime, you know, mm -hmm. some of us, take them more often than that. You know, maybe some of us are slow learners. I don't know, uh, slow to get the message or something. But uh, the thing is, these are transformative medicines. And uh, 
uh, and in order to be uh, integrated into mainstream medicine, whatever that is, uh, uh, you know, you have to basically completely revolutionize mental health care and mm -hmm. psychiatry and all that. And then, as we know, it goes, psychedelics go beyond that. Psychedelics are not simply for uh, people with mental illnesses or mental disorders. They can benefit normal people with a healthy curiosity about consciousness and uh, trying to understand our place in the, in the universe and so on. So they're tremendous tools for understanding the mind and understanding consciousness. And yeah. so I am happy that there is a renaissance and that psychedelics are getting accepted. At the same time, there are a lot of pitfalls, you know, in, in this as the sort of venture capital people move in and the, and, you know, there are some pitfalls. These are these are uh, medicines that have a long tradition in of traditional use. And, you know, indigenous people have been the the stewards of these medicines for so long, thousands of years. And now along comes you know corporate globalism and and the sort of corporate approach. And you know they're sort of co-opting this in some way. Uh, but I think it's inevitable, you know, if, if these things are going to get out and uh, and help the number, you know, the many millions of people that potentially they can benefit, there's going to be some of that. But I, I think that there's, there's, you know, a lot of ethical dilemmas about how we bring those into a global culture where they've been sort of on the margins, you know, in indigenous practices and like the indigenous cultures themselves, they've been on the margins. And then along comes this big, dis, uh, you know, disruptive uh, force. So it's interesting to watch. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely interesting to watch. Yeah, it's a crazy time to be alive. I think yeah. it, this is like the uh, we're at the precipice of a whole new society. Like you said, it's it's transformative of the mind. But it's you know from that we're also transforming our entire species. It seems to be, uh, and this is the beginning. We are just right now, twenty twenty one. This is like the I like to say this is the beginning of the future, or at least you know some semblance of the future. And uh, yeah, it seems to be like psychedelics are going to be incorporated in that future uh, somehow, some way. So yeah, it's a wonderful yeah, time Yeah, I, I think they will be. Uh, it's 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 not only the beginning of the future, but it's the end of the world as we know it. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. and I I even have a, a blog on our website by by that title which discusses this. I mean, it you know, in the last year and a half since the COVID, I mean, COVID more than psychedelics in a way has really changed the character of society, you know, yeah. and in, in some ways, in many, in good ways, you know, I mean, I mean, it's hard to characterize a pandemic as a good thing, but it has forced certain changes in society. It's forced us to slow down a little bit and to maybe step back from this frenetic uh, culture that we, inhabit and uh 
uh, and, and just take a wider perspective, you know. So, uh, you know, in, in some ways we've <clears throat> we've been lucky because COVID is as viruses go. I mean, it's bad, but it's not as bad as it could be, yeah. you know. And and we can we can deal with it, or we are dealing with it, not very efficiently, but. But it's been a it's been a wake up call, you know, and uh, uh, and I think society is never going to be the same. Yeah. No. And then in in the middle of all that and this, uh, you know, the many other disruptive factors like climate change and uh, all that. So then you have psychedelics, which are, you know, part of this mix, you know, and and like you say. I mean, I've always looked at psychedelics more from the perspective of biology in a certain way. I think these things are co-evolutionary allies with our species. You know, they're trying to, well, they're not trying to do anything. They're, they just are what they are, but we're forming our, these relationships with, with the psychedelic plants and fungi, and uh, they have a lot we can learn a lot from them, essentially. Mm. They have a lot to teach us, or or we have a lot to learn just just by the way that that they work, you know. Yeah. So uh, so that's a good thing. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people come away from their psychedelic experiences with sort of a renewed understanding of our relationship to nature and a renewed understanding of how out of kilter it's become, you know, and that's at the root of a lot of our problems. You know, we're, we're out of harmony with nature and nature is the boss. You know? <laughs> and this yep. is something that we have to understand. And uh, if psychedelics can be a catalyst for this uh, to help us wake up, then, then, you know, I'm grateful for that. I mean, we need a catalyst. We need a global shift in consciousness yeah. uh, in our attitudes toward nature. And uh, we need all the tools that we can get to bring this, to bring this about because we need it. We need a global shift in consciousness and we don't have the luxury of time, yeah. you know? So we need something that's impactful right now and that can begin to shift global consciousness. It could be, you know, 30 years ago, we had more of a luxury of time. Now the window is getting narrow and uh, that, that concerns me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, all you need is some DMT in 15 minutes and I guess that's really all it takes to change <laughs> people's minds or it could at least, you know, for potentially, um, do you think we can do this without psychedelics? Do you think it's possible to do this without these substances and, uh, and change the paradigm without the use of these substances? Or is there really no other way to change seven and a half billion people's mind? Not that we have to change everybody's mind, but at least, you know, the important people. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, we've never been in a situation where we have not had this as an option. So it's hard to say. You know, but uh, uh, I mean, I think lots of things can change people's minds. Uh, you know, I, I used to be 
uh, one of these people, I, you know, I, I used to think psychedelics are going to change everything. And, and if we can just get enough people to take psychedelics and have that revelation and have those insights, then it'll all be good, you know, and everyone will wake up and we'll throw our collective energies together and we'll yeah. make a change. But people be people, you know, uh, <laughs> yep. it's very hard to bring things together. So I think, I think psychedelics are one of the powerful tools that can bring about this global shift in consciousness, but probably in itself, it's not sufficient. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, even though they're spreading in the world, this, this is another thing I wonder, you know, because we are in the psychedelic uh, sort of bubble, you know, is it a bubble? And how big is that bubble? And how big is it expanding? And outside the bubble, which is, you know, probably the vast majority of people in the world are outside the bubble. Mm. And do they, do they give a damn? You know, <laughs> are they influenced by any of this? Probably in some ways through social media and, and you know, the media density and so on. But uh, it's, it's, you know, as I often say when I give these talks and so on, we have to wake up, first of all, to what's happening. You know, we have to realize that there is an issue. But the next step is we have to wise up. And that's more difficult. You know, what do you do with these insights? What do you do after the retreat or after mm -hmm. the psychedelic experience? How do you change your life? How do you influence other people and the way you communicate with them and so on? So that's the that's the hard part. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The first step is finding the path, waking up and realizing, you know, oh, shit you know, realizing you're in the matrix kind of in a, in a way to put it. And then the second step is actually walking the path and doing what we have to do, because, I, you know, we can go to these crazy states uh, when we take these plant medicines, uh, learn these things, they show us certain messages, but we always come back to this, you mm -hmm. know, I guess default mode network as being a human being, as me being Gary and you being Dennis, we still have to play our role here. Um, but I think what's important is not so much as the, you know, the movie of our minds when we go into these crazy ecstatic states. It's more so the lessons that we learn from these plant allies of, uh, of the guy in mind. And um, yeah, I guess it's, I don't know, how do we stay on that path? You know, because, you know, you could take mushrooms every day and still not be uh, aligned, you know, there's, I think... It's, right. Yeah, it's more than just having the substances. It's all up to us to act accordingly, I guess, and, you know, make the changes that need to occur. But how do we do that? I don't know. <laughs> that's the tricky part. That's that's where the real work begins. And I don't have, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have any kind of glib answer to that. I mean, for one thing, right, we can't take mushrooms every day. I mean, we wouldn't be very functional if we did, you know, and these experiences should be rare, uh, you know, and yeah. meaningful. And, uh, uh, and so that's why it's so important to approach them, you know, with respect and take them under optimal circumstances, the whole set and setting equation, essentially to maximize the opportunity to learn from these experiences. And then 
what you do with that is uh, less defined and yeah. uh, and more dependent on a, an individual's you know what an individual takes from it because at the at the end the psychedelic is a psychedelic experience is an intensely individual thing you know and everyone can take away from it something unique to them you know and there are elements of the of the insights of the learning that goes on that obviously many people are are tuning into this is it propagating fast enough through our population through our collective consciousness if you will honestly i don't know you know yeah. i mean i would like to think so i worried that it's not so you know i mean uh you know people say are you an optimist and i'm sort of well you know monday wednesday fridays i'm an optimist and the rest of the time i'm a pessimist <laughs> uh, but i think we have to be realists you know yeah. and that's that's the thing it's hard to propagate a a message that that says well if you just take psychedelics everything will be fine you know <laughs> yeah. uh, we've had psychedelics as a culture for a long time and everything is not fine you know and yeah. uh, and we you know but they have been sort of in the in the in the shadows you know uh i mean even before they were prohibited in this culture they were they were you know in traditional uh societies they're regarded as sacred things and sometimes kind of secret you know, secret knowledge. Now that knowledge is being broken open and spread worldwide. Uh, I don't know how it's going to play out, Gary. I really don't. And I yeah. think anybody that is, you know, that thinks about this stuff has got to be worried about it a little bit. What What is happening? Because I don't see, uh, you know, I, I don't see the institutions responding the way you would hope, you know, and the fact that people can look at what is happening on the global scale on, in the climatic events, climatic catastrophes and so on, and yet not acknowledge that we are contributing to this, that we're human activity is a big factor that's led to this. It, you know, I think if we learned anything over the past year, it's people have an incredible capacity for self-delusion, hmm. you know, and maybe that has a purpose uh, at some point because, you know, reality, hard, hard facts are hard to face sometimes, but it's not a solution. I mean, we have to look at these things in a, in a cold, uh, realistic light and try to figure out how we're going to respond if if we are going to respond can we even respond yeah. at this point in an yeah. effective way mm. yeah you know what it is dennis is it's just so many people on earth there's seven and a half i don't know the exact number seven and a half billion we'll say so many people so many that people. is another problem mm -hmm. <laughs> a big problem yeah, yeah. and yeah. technically all of us just by simply existing are contributing to the problem but what the people that need to 
maybe take you know be dosed with psilocybin in their in their drink or something like that <laughs> maybe the, the are the ones that hold power and the ones like you said the institutions the people that have the the opportunity and the the ability to actually you know make certain decisions to you know uh, bring about a cleaner world a more renewable uh, world run on renewable energies such and, and things such as that you know because mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter when i mean it does matter when people take it like that aren't in powerful positions it totally matters everybody matters but what i'm saying is there's there's a lot more there's people in this world that have a lot of power and a lot of influence and they're not they're not um they're not on the path they're not aligned with what we're talking about right now whatsoever and uh yeah that's where i see it as the biggest problem you know how do we get them to do it how do we get you know certain powerful people on that path like i, I also do not know i'm just pointing out the problem <laughs> well i i agree with you in that sense uh, that's part of it i thought uh you know i i have thought and i do think that it is important to get these things out to the right people you know yeah. the the people that can make a difference I think it has gone out to more of the people in this position than we imagine, at least I hope so. But that's part of the solution. This was the whole idea, uh, well, not the whole idea, but a good part of the idea But behind my founding of this McKenna Academy, you know, which was uh, a kind of formalized and the idea was to create a center for learning and sharing information and from which we could all learn for plant medicines. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it sort of grew out of the retreats and so on that I was doing uh, uh, in South America. And we wanted to continue that. Uh, and we do want to continue that. But about the time we got our foundation established, uh, COVID hit, so it became impossible to do retreats. Mm. And so we pivoted and we try, we're trying to develop online resources and do virtual uh, seminars and, and that sort of thing, utilize the power of the in internet to propagate the message and hopefully open up to actually be doing, able to do physical retreats like we had been doing before. And you know, a big part of that is to try to attract the, uh, you know, the right people to come and have these experiences and share them with similar people, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and, uh, and that was going on. But, but now, well, we, we can all, uh, you know, we can have virtual seminars and virtual symposia and so on. That's all good but you don't have the social bonding that you get when you have a, you know, when you're doing a retreat with a few yeah. people who over the course of that time and sharing these experiences, they, they influence each other's uh, approach and, you know, webs of connections are formed and, and bonding happens. And, and I think that, uh, it has less it has less impact when you're trying to do all this from a distance, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have to use the tools that we have, but this is not ideal. Yeah. You know, hey, we're doing the best we can, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, on the other side, I mean, the the you know the uh, 
I mean, before COVID, I was traveling so much. It was, it was pretty crazy. I think it's lifted our consciousness in a certain way about, you know, what is the environmental impact of all this flying around and, and so on. And so it's, it's good that we're not doing so much of that. But of course, now, at uh, this point, everyone that seems to be convinced that, well, that the pandemic is over, you know, okay. so party on, you know, just back to the same, <laughs> same mistakes we were making before. And, uh, and that's unfortunate because it shows that we're not really getting very wise about this, you know, and uh, we can be sure there will be more pandemics, you know, uh, COVID is just the start. I think, I think the 21st century will see lots of these, you know, and these are in, directly or indirectly, they're a consequence of climate change as well. You know, these, uh, you know, viruses are emerging out of nature and because of global air travel and all that, they can spread across the world in very short time frames. So, you know, we can just another thing that we can see, uh, that's a con that's a consequence of our activity mm. yeah like you said humans will be humans you know it's uh, yeah yeah it seems so we're stupid monkeys in many ways <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting we are we are these we are animals right there's one side Absolutely. of us that has these animalistic urges and and we just you know we just we're animals and there's no other way to put it but then there's another side of us that can also explore our you know our own consciousness and become aware of our own being and and you know realize that we exist whatever that means like realize that we are more than just an animal there's the side of us that has i guess we're out of control but then there's the side of us that has a sense of i am this you know i am that i am it's mm -hmm. we're just such interesting creatures man like what do you think it means to be a human being dennis like to be here incarnated in this body, you know, what is a human being in its essence, more than just like an animal, a, a half ape, you know? Well, I think, I, I think that we are, uh, you know, I mean, I think that as you say, we're half apes and we're half angels. Yeah. You know, and we're on this evolutionary trajectory right now. We're suspended between those two points you know, and we haven't yet reached angelic enlightenment, but we're, we're working on it, you know, but it, it, the evolution works, uh, works itself out over much vaster time frames than, than we can even comprehend. So in general, I think there are trends in the right direction, but the question is, uh, you know, does it happen rapidly enough that, uh, uh, other uh, more destabilizing factors don't overtake it. That's the thing we don't, the problem is we don't have the luxury of time anymore. You know, uh, uh, we can't say, well, in, in 10, you know, in 20, 30 years, we'll figure all this out. We could have said that 20 or 30 years ago, but people, you know, people didn't. So now the time frames are very short. So now it's become, you know, as far as being able to mitigate the effects of climate change, maybe 10 years at the outside mm. before we reach a point where, uh, you know, the, the planetary ecosystem is 
based on equilibrium and these different cycles, geochemical, atmospheric cycles, all of this, the whole Gaia idea, you know, that the biosphere itself of planetary scale is actually an organism in a sense. All these interacting species and they maintain stability and homeostasis. Along comes humans and we're we're this disruptive influence, you know, and it's almost like we are a virus. We are a virus infecting the planetary biosphere. And if you look, you know, and, and we're putting strain on all these uh, different uh, mechanisms that tend to keep planetary uh, conditions within the fairly narrow range that's tolerable for life. You know, I mean, at no point has the planet gotten hot, hotter than the boiling point of water or lower than the freezing point of water. So that's a wide range. It's never happened on a global scale. So something is, uh, you know, it's basically life. It's biology that's maintaining the equilibrium uh, systems that are maintaining, making life tolerable but we're putting a lot of strain on those things. And at some point, it, they're very resilient, but at some point they can reach a point where there's a breaking point, you know, a tipping point, I guess, where they can't repair the, the disequilibrium. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing this play out before our eyes in, in the West right now, you know, these enormous, uh, you know, these incredible heat waves, uh, you know, I mean, we're 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 witnessing uh, situations that, you know, some of these regions are getting really close to being intolerable, uninhabitable. What happens when you've got, you know, forty million people on the move, migrating out of uh, uninhabitable climates? Yeah, where are they going to go? I mean, I, exactly. I used to think, well, they're going to all come to Canada, right? <laughs> Turns out Canada's maybe not the place. I mean, Canada was the hottest place on earth last week, you know, yeah. this little town in Lytton. So just because it's north doesn't mean it's necessarily cooler. <laughs> and, you know, it is true that the population is a, uh, is a big factor, you know. So I am... I am encouraged in a sense that, you know, there's a lot of concern right now between about the uh, precipitous drop in fertility levels uh, on a global scale. And the thinking is, not sure what the causes of this are, but, but it's thought that a lot of this may be due to some of these uh, hormone-like uh, phthalates and other products of plastic you know mm -hmm. that that we're all exposed to and there i've read articles that are you know that express concern well if there's a precipitous drop in population then it's going to cause economic disruption on the other hand if there's not a precipitous drop in population it's just it's just going to continue so i have to look at this reduction in fertility levels as probably in the long run a good thing yeah i mean the earth would be a <laughs> lot less stressed if there were about half as many people <laughs> and even yeah. then it'd still be crazy amount of people on earth honestly 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, and it's it's hard to. I mean, it, it it invites speculation into some fairly, you know, dark areas. Like, uh, you know, I find myself mulling over, you know, the benefits of a massive asteroid impact, for example. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's not something we really want to welcome. But on the other hand, it would be a huge reset for the planet. And... Uh, it's happened before in evolution. I mean, this is the thing. I think life on Earth, you know, is very is going to survive. The Earth has had enormous events in the past, geological events like asteroid impacts that have wiped out ninety seven percent of terrestrial species, and usually that's been an opening for a tremendous increase in in biodiversity and complexity and all that following these disasters. But we're talking about timeframes that play out over millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of years, you know, which in the, in the, you know, in the biological geological timeframe, these are fairly short timeframes in the human timeframe. We can't imagine. Them, yeah. Know? So, yeah. So it's uh, it's not a particularly uh, you know happy thing to think about, but I th I think that that's something I, that we have to you know yeah. we have to think about. I mean, I, I think that I think that Gaia the Gaia hypothesis or the Gaia notion is a real thing, and I think that the uh, you know and it's not just some new age idea i think it's grounded in geochemistry and planetary dynamics atmospheric mm -hmm. dynamics and so on and it will find a way to main, to maintain equilibrium and if yeah. if equilibrium has been lost as we're quickly losing it it will find a way to uh, eliminate that influence that's destabilizing everything and it's not not like this is you know, some intelligent entity that's making these changes. I don't, I don't look at it that way. It's just, this is a biological system that's adapted to the, to the situation. And, you know, what, what do bio, what does biology like to do? Well, survival is kind of a priority, you know, for living systems. Reproduction is another one. Um, so, it will be hard to say. Yeah, it's we shall see. We shall see. I guess yeah. we shall see. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. That's the thing about the. I think that you know the guy in mind as we're talking about. It doesn't care about your personal problems. It doesn't care about you know your bills and the drama in your life. It's it's when you look at human beings as a collective being and a being that is also connected to the being of this earth that makes a lot more sense like all what we just what you just talked about makes so much more sense like we are throwing this entire guy the sphere that we're on this rock out of total total uh balance there's there's this a, a lack of balance through the energy output essentially like we're just sucking this earth dry and the and you know from uh the re our resource usage we're just throwing it off balance in this sphere that it's built up you know this natural atmosphere this natural um environment that was you know a creation of the divine essentially 
um, we're kind of just saying whatever, we don't really care. We're just gonna keep, you know, driving our big trucks and whatever, whatever we do to, you know, throw off the balance. Uh, and you know, that's what psychedelics kind of show you, at least, you know, they kind of show me and from what I've read from other people or, or talk to other people about is they get you more in touch with that mind. And it it might seem scary at first, you know, there's it's not always fun to go on an intense psychedelics trip, but you know, the truth, it, it doesn't, it's not always the nicest thing to see. And, you know, the truth might show you that like, oh shit, yeah, we are destroying this world. We gotta, we gotta wake up. That's, that's a big, we, I think you we said- We have this to before. wake up. We absolutely, yeah. and that's where the psychedelics can be the catalyst. But the whole thing is that once you wake up, how do you wise up? Well, what do you do with that insight? And that's, that becomes less clear and, uh, you know, and, and people have, you know, they have these insights and then they have all sorts of responses to that and some of them very creative. And that's the interesting thing and the kind of dismaying thing, Gary, is that we have the tools to do this. We know how to do this. We know what has to be done, you know, uh, to to head this thing off as, as much as possible. I don't think it's possible to head it completely off. That was... We could have done that 20 or 30 years ago. What we can do is mitigate the impact, lessen the impact to a certain degree. Mm. But it requires a global perspective. It requires that we get, you know, we, we have to get ideology out of the way. We have to get politics out of the way. Mm -hmm. We have to uh, proceed as though we were reasonable people you know, who can see what's happening and agree that there is a problem. And then you can begin the conversation about how do we respond to it uh, on the collective level and the individual level. And these two things are not separate, you know. Uh, I mean, the collective responses may be partly made up of an accumulation of individual small scale type responses. Uh, but we're not even at a place where we can agree, at least, I mean, unfortunately, politics is a fact of life and we can't get things done unless there's a political consensus. And if you look at the political landscape, it's totally screwed up, you yeah. know? I mean, we've got people that, uh, you know, we're very good at denial, basically. And, <laughs> and we can't even agree that, uh, you know, the last election wasn't stolen and that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, you know, people's ability to believe in the absence of evidence, mm -hmm. you know, and, and as a scientist, uh, and I would say as a reasonable person, I think that evidence is important you know, because evidence, because otherwise you don't, you, know, you can believe anything you want, but if there's no evidence, then it's basically a fairy story, hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, and you can, you know, so you think that people would respond to what they can see happening around them, especially if they live in some of these impacted places or what you see on, on the media, you'd have to be willfully blind to, uh, to not see what's going on and, and to understand that we're, you know, we're in a heap of trouble. And, uh, 
so I'm not sure exactly what <laughs> what what you do, you know, to because the thing is, you know, it's not clear that there that that reason has a place in this or evidence or whatever. It's they're very much the and it's it's interesting that we have more ways to communicate with each other via the internet and so on than we've ever had. So instead of creating this this collective uh, sort of uh, planetary mind where we're all on the same page, it's like it's we we've created these different bubbles which don't talk to each other, don't communicate. Everybody's in their silo, and mm-hmm. it's very much the attitude of well, my mind is made up. You know, don't confuse me with facts. You yeah. know, and yeah. and so I'm not sure. Yeah, we just need a, a, a giant paradigm change. That's what it is. Is it, it's we all have to just get on that that wavelength. You know the wavelength. I know the wavelength. It's the one that we're just like we're just like you know I'm you, you're me. We're all the same. We're all in this together. Let's try and make this a better place, not only for me, but for future generations. And that's pretty much the premise of it. You know, let's get over our egos. Let's not worry about, you know, just the the, the dumb problems, the, the menial problems that we think are important, but truly, truly realize what's important for the globe. And we're not on that paradigm. Let's be honest. <laughs> there might be a few. No, of we're us not. You just articulated what what any reasonable person would say. <laughs> you know that tells me that you're a reasonable person, and that you can see this. And uh, it's not rocket science; it's pretty obvious, yeah. you know. Uh, but we have to get more people to, you know, sort of recognize the value of things like reason and science and evidence and that sort of thing. And many people uh, that just doesn't fit into their, uh, you, you know, into their views. I, I mean, I, in some ways, in, in, I, I guess as long as we're attacking people, I met <laughs> and institutions. I, I can, I would lay a lot of this at the feet of religion, you know, mm-hmm. which I think has kind of poisoned the Western mind for two thousand years. Yeah, and by insisting that, you know. In the first place, many of its premises don't make any sense, but it, it poisons the Western mind by encouraging us not to think. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is the problem. Religion is an institution where you know it, you have to accept the dogma, you have to accept the the premises, and they you know, and if they don't make sense, then too bad. You, you're still expected to accept them. And so it's trained us to believe nonsense effectively mm-hmm. uh, in the in the face of what are clearly facts, you know. And it somehow it elevates it elevates uh, these these worldviews. And 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 I can understand the appeal of religion. I mean, it it's comforting. Yeah. You know, uh, it can be comforting, but on the other hand. Is it a delusion? You know, is it mm-hmm. delusional? In, yeah. and in a certain sense, I, th- I think it probably is. Yeah. You know? 100%. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. yeah. We're all just scared. You know, that's what it is. A lot of people are looking for answers, and we just want to be, feel, like you said, we want to feel safe and we want to feel comforted by 
it doesn't have to be a religion. It could be a certain political party, political stance, whatever it is. It could be a certain celebrity, whatever it is. I don't, we're all just looking for something to tell us like, it's going to be okay. Uh, but the, honestly, the thing is, the truth is it might not be okay. <laughs> it might not be okay. Yeah. It, it's tough exactly. to confront that. It's really tough to like actually internalize that and feel that in your body. Uh, but it's, there's no other choice. It's either you, you, you know, you realize the situation that we're in, we got ourselves into and, um, yeah, we act from there, or you can just keep living in the matrix, living this delusional life that we have built up over the years. Um, until yeah. it all falls apart. I mean, yeah. this is the thing. The uh, assumption is that, well, and there's just this great resistance to change. You know, I like my comfort zone. I don't want to change. You don't have a choice. We do not have a choice. Mm-hmm. It's going to change, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and the sooner we, uh, you know, accept that, we can begin to adapt to it in some ways and mm-hmm. uh uh you know and, and so i i don't know <laughs> it's uh it's it's a it's a tough situation it's a tough uh you know it, it's a tough topic to discuss because people want from people like me they want something uplifting and inspiring and and all that and sometimes mm-hmm. i'm like I'm sorry, I'm all out of inspiration, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I guess for uplifting, inspiring, I guess uh, what we could say is, how do we end this on a, you know, on a better note? Uh, you know, we it's all we all have the ability to change. I guess all of us have the ability to walk the path and do it, and it is. It's up to all of us. That's the thing, and in our own ways, however we do it. Um, we, it's there's, it's not up to anybody. It's not up to God. Well, it might be up to God, depending on how you interpret that, but. In you know, as a human being, it's all up to us to make the certain decisions, talk about these problems uh, in the right way to bring about solutions all in our own way. And then thus from there, we create a better world. I mean, the, the, the most optimistic view of what we just talked about is saying that, you know, nobody else is going to do it but you and yeah. you could look at that as scary like oh shit it's up to me like oh whoa <laughs> or you can be like oh yeah it's up to me like we're gonna do this we're gonna make it happen so yeah i don't know and, I got- and that's that's exactly what we have to do that's taking responsibility you know yeah jesus ain't coming i'm sorry <laughs> you know the space alien brothers are gonna show up in their ufos and save us i'm sorry ain't gonna happen you know i mean the chances are very good that if they even care about us at all they they'd see you know what a blemish we are on the on the face of the cosmos and wipe us out we can't count on these things we can only mm-hmm. count on our own uh cleverness and our own wisdom yeah. in in responding to these things and this is another problem that we have we're looking at a a disconnect between our cleverness we're extremely clever we're not wise you know, mm. and that's what we have to become. We have to, uh, especially because we now manipulate and, and control these technologies that potentially can bring about an end to life on Earth. And even if they don't go that far, make life on Earth, you know, an absolutely hellish experience. We have to get wise in the way that we deploy these technologies, and we have to have the wisdom to make uh, decisions about what not to do 
you know, even though we can do things, it doesn't necessarily mean that we should do things. So we have to become thoughtful about the way that we uh, manipulate the technologies that we that we supposedly control. We don't actually control them. That's that's the problem because we haven't thought about uh, you know we haven't thought wisely about what the consequences of some of these technologies are. And now we're seeing it, you know, in terms of our use of uh, fossil fuels, for example. I mean, we need to get away from that. Why there should even be a debate on this? The goal should be to make fossil fuels obsolete. Mm-hmm. You know, there are plenty of other less impactful ways to generate energy why there's even a conversation about this, you know, I mean, the, yeah, right. the oil companies should be, you know, these people should be on trial for <laughs> crimes against humanity. Yeah. I mean, it is exactly the same as, Honestly. the, uh, you know, and, you know, and so that's, that's a dilemma because again, it's very hard to create consensus about mm. it. And it's, and without that, it's, you know, since it requires, uh, you know, governments on all levels from the local to the global to respond to these things, uh, it's, a, it's a conundrum. I mean, it's a, it's a problem that we, you know, that we can't do it. And, and uh, I, I do think that the, that the psychedelics are catalysts for uh, this kind of wisdom, but they're only catalysts. Then you have to, you know, you I don't know. I just, I really don't know what the solution is. <laughs> I don't know either, Dennis. I mean, we're doing the best we can, though. I think. I think that's probably what. We, well, we are. I mean, I mean, I think I am. I think you are. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, once you. Well, we're I, talking. You know, we do a lot of talking, right? Yeah. And maybe that message gets out to people. I mean, I think it does. Obviously. Uh, you know, what else, I mean, in, in your position, my position, what else can we do other than kind of be this, this voice for, for the idea that we, that we need to wake up. Uh, mm. And and maybe it's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know, whistling in the wind or more like whistling past the graveyard, you know, I mean, maybe that's a form of denial, but uh, uh, I just have to, uh, hope that, you know, <laughs> hope that wiser people will come to the fore and, and, you know, and it's not an entirely uh, bleak picture, you know, there are certainly people who are developing approaches to this. Uh, but, you know, when you talk to people about the kind of changes that they'll need to make, you know, in terms of kind of everybody needs to kind of pull their elbows a little bit, try to reduce their, uh, their own impact on, on, the, on the carbon uh, equation and that sort of thing. But that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that alone is, is a way to do it. You know, what, you know, we, we can't, there seems to be a minimal level that we can do that and still live, you know, in the way that we're accustomed to living. I don't think it works for everyone to 
move to the woods and live off the mm -hmm. grids because there wouldn't be any woods left after a while. <laughs> yeah, so there exactly. is a big problem with the number of people. And, yeah. uh, uh, and I, I have to think that this reduction in fertility is ultimately beneficial. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, probably preferable to mega deaths that might be brought about by an asteroid impact or a nuclear war or all of these things, you know, which certainly have the virtue of being uh, sudden, you know, a sudden reset. Maybe that's what we need. I don't know. Uh, but something like a, a drop in fertility over a couple of generations could really reduce the population quite significantly. And that would buy some time. I mean, a mm. lot of what we're facing is there's just too darn many of us around here. Too know? many, too many, too many apes on this planet, man. Yeah. I think your brother said one time, like one thing, one way that we could uh, resolve this is if we just had, if everybody just had one kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he used to talk about that. Now think about how difficult that is to oh, implement yeah. that on a policy level. China it tried it. Work. This is China tried it and it didn't work so well. And this this does relate to the, you know, to this drop in fertility rates. In other words, no government is imposing this, but nature is imposing it. Nature is sort of, you know, responding to the fact that we're, you know, we're exposed to these plastics. And uh, and so it is happening. Um, we can't control it, and it's going to produce uh, economic disruption for sure. You know, when you have societies where you need a younger demographic that's working to support old people, uh, yeah. you know, it's a problem. But but this could be a beneficial effect as it plays out over. You know, it, it, these things play out over decades. I think. That's a big part of the problem is that, you know, these climatic changes, uh, you know, well, now they've reached a point where every season, I mean, it's become more dramatic. But in terms of being able to plan for long-term climatic changes, we're not so good at that, you know. I mean, if we can't project, uh, you know, corporations have a hard time projecting beyond the next quarter, you know, yeah. or the next financial cycle. And yet uh, we have to have a perspective that thinks in terms of the next 50 years, the next 100 years, the next 500 years, you know, or even beyond that. We have to bring our temporal perspective into, into sync with more closer to what the, the planetary perspective is. Mm -hmm. you know, and that may be part of the solution here yes we have to adopt a conscious perspective yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh man honestly hey i mean we talked about some bleak stuff but it's gonna be okay you know i think like no matter what like we're gonna it might not be okay uh you know in the short term but i think it's gonna it's, we're gonna reach this balance like either way life is gonna go on some kind of form of consciousness is gonna go on you know there's it's not like we're just gonna like destroy ourselves unless there is some kind of uh cataclysmic huge asteroid that comes flying down which is 100 possible 
But even that, even that would not wipe out life on Earth. I mean, it's happened yeah. a number of times before. It and even that probably wouldn't wipe out all of us. You know, yeah. I mean, but potentially uh, it could wipe out most of us. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's okay. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 okay in the sense that you know. Uh, at least a natural disaster like that is not something that you can attribute to our mistakes and our conflicts and so on. So in that sense, it would be kind of a clean effect, you know? I mean, it's just these things happen from time to time, and that's just how evolution works and so on. And that's, you know, and, and you know, maybe that's it. I, and, you know, it discourages the thinking that there is some benevolence, you know, built into the structure of the universe. Uh, maybe not. Maybe the Earth has no particular moral compunction about uh, uh, about us. You know, we, mm. we brought this on ourselves and nature will respond uh, accordingly. Yeah. I think the benevolence lies in not so much caring about our personal life. I think it's benevolence as in, um, all right, look, I just want to come on here real quick, break the fourth wall and say, I know it's pronounced benevolence, okay? It's not benevolence, it's benevolence. Go ahead, make fun of me all you want. I said it about six, seven times in front of Dennis McKenna. It's okay. Laugh at me all you want. Well, you guys know what I meant. Y'all know what I meant. Tomato, tomato, benevolence, benevolence. Just wanted to come on here and clarify, all right? Benevolence, benevolence, benevolence. Other than that, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Even the, the benevolence, like the universe, the universal benevolence isn't more so in if I or you survive. It's more so as in our species. If you look at human beings less so as an individual and more so as, as a collective, as one species, mm -hmm. or maybe just life in general, like all life, um, I think that's where the benevolence lies. And the benevolence lies in the balance. So once you throw off the balance, you're throwing off the goodness, uh, you know, the, the benevolence of this world. And I think that's where it kind of lies. This, um, you know, mm -hmm. th this, this life is it's destructive. It is scary. It is there, you know, there is, uh, nature is beautiful yet. It's also, uh, in, insanely, uh, you know, daunting at the same time. It's, it's, it's powerful mother. We're, we are just a servant to mother nature. Um, yeah. and I think that's what we have to realize is that like, you know, our puny little monkey lives don't really matter in the scheme of things. What really matters is this, like this giant i don't know what we're building but we're it seems to be like we're building toward we're building something collectively like human beings seem to be approaching we're maybe it's the transcendental object at the end of time i don't know we're building some kind of um maybe a hive mind a super intelligence but that's where the benevolence lies and once you throw off that equilibrium you throw off that balance toward whatever we're going toward uh we're going to get checked you know mother nature is going to check us because that's what that when you realize that there's a greater intelligence at play, then all of this conversation that we just had makes a lot more sense. And it doesn't seem so bleak in a way. It doesn't seem so depressing. It might in your own personal matter and you know what it means to be a human being, but like in, in the collective of 
of what we are as an organism, what we are as a process, it makes so much more sense. So I want to ask you, what yeah. do you think? What do you think human beings are building? Like, what are we moving toward? Like, what? Because it seems like you know we're moving more toward novelty, right? We're moving more toward building something. Like, we're not going backwards, even though it might seem like it, like we talked about. But we're just there has there was some kind of trend toward us building something collectively and the internet and the advent of our technology seems to be proof of that like we're, we're all becoming interrelated interconnected somehow to build to me it seems like some kind of hive mind super intelligence that is realizes that we are all one and the internet is the start of that what would you say yeah i think i think it is something like that the internet is a crude uh instantiation of this of this hive mind of this global nervous system i mean if you think of how mcluhan marshall mcluhan used to talk about these things as uh you know media's extensions of of our senses you know we have uh, essentially externalized our nervous system on a, out to a global scale mm. and yeah, the picture is not entirely bleak. I mean, I, I mean, the fact that we can envision and visualize a world of, you know, a harmonious world, that we can visualize the world that could exist if we get past its bottleneck. You know, I mean, it's certainly possible that, you know, we could, if we deployed our technologies and our intelligence uh, appropriately, the future could be a paradise, you know, it could be utopian in some ways. Right now it's looking pretty dystopian, but maybe that's the necessary uh, stage we have to go through. The fact that we can imagine a better future and what it could be like if we wake up, I think that's the main reason for optimum optimism here. You know, we should not underestimate the creativity of the human imagination, mm. you know, and and you only have to look around to see that manifesting all over the place, you know. So maybe that's a good reason. Maybe that's a good place to close this on a up note. You know, if you look yes. around, there's there's a lot to be optimistic about, you know. And uh, right now, we don't know. You know, there's forces mitigating against it and forces pushing in the opposite direction. So, you know, if we have this conversation five years downstream, maybe we'll be able to say, you know, yep, we beat the odds, you know, and now we're sailing in the right direction or probably won't be having this conversation <laughs> if it goes any other way, you know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's, it remains to be seen. And yeah. that's the uh, that's the best we can say, you know. Yeah. But I I think we have to have the courage to be uh, realistic, you know, and yeah. not not get caught in ideological or religious, you know, delusions. We need we need clear thinking more than anything else. And uh, that's you know that's that's what we need. I think. 100% Dennis and we all have the power it's all yeah. up to us I mean there's nobody else it's up to it's all up to us man that's um, right yeah it's up to you it's up to me it's up to the listener let's let's do this let's make it happen I got faith 
I do too. In you that sense, I, I, I have faith. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we're fortunate that you know to have these plant medicines that can help some of us with this wake-up process, and maybe more. Uh, but there are lots of things that that can be used that way. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll see. That's okay. the, we can sum it up like that. This whole conversation. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. And it's an interesting time to be alive. Definitely uh, is that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, thanks so much, Dennis. Uh, this was a great conversation, even though, you know, might have, you know, it might be a little controversial, might be a little tougher for some people to hear, but hey, you know what? We got to hear it. We got to talk about things like this. That's uh, what we're supposed to talk about, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I view my role is to, you know, comfort the afflicted, but afflict the comfortable. <laughs> you know? I think that's, that's what we're trying to do here. So thank you uh, very much, Gary. Uh, look forward to seeing it posted and I'll let my social media networks know about it. And thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, enjoy your day. Thanks for coming on here to Zoom land with me. And uh, thank you. Namaste. Namaste.